When we're connected to God's spirit and he has us creating, whatever whatever creating looks like to you, whether you're writing a song or, or planting a garden or just worshiping God in your heart, that the spirit of God can move in you to connect into the bigger story of the reality of the spiritual realm in ways that go beyond your own understanding. Hey everyone, welcome back to How to Study the Bible. My name is Nicole Eunice. I am your host, your coach, your friend, as we explore uh, for a few minutes a piece of scripture together. We're in a series called Unveiled. We're looking at ways that we understand the fulfillment of scripture from Genesis to Revelation based in our understanding of Jesus Christ, how really all of scripture, even all that came before Jesus, points to the fullness of who Jesus is. Now, we've said this throughout the series. This in no way negates what's actually happening in the story from the Old Testament. Um, It doesn't mean that the story from the Old Testament was not true in its time, but it is showing us how Jesus in his fullness brings uh, that whole story, that whole character, whatever piece we're looking at, into its full understanding of the great, great story of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. So we're going to be looking at David today. Now, to try to take on a character as full and rich and extensive as David in 15 minutes is not going to be possible. That would be a whole nother series. But we do know if you do a little quick search in BibleStudyTools.com and you're kind of looking around at David, the, the story of David's life actually takes up 66 chapters of the Bible, which was interesting to me because there's 66 books of the Bible. So he's got this like really important part to the story. David truly represented this idea of prophet, prophet, priest, and king in the Israelite time, meaning that Jesus, uh, David, I'm sorry, meaning that David had this prophetic voice into the truth of um, who God is and what God was doing. David also served as a priest. He actually made confession for his people before God, and David was Israelite's king. He was the ultimate king uh, before Jesus. And so he's got this really important role to play, the character of David, in the story of Scripture. And he's kind of seen in the Jewish time as the king, like the one who did the right thing, who really restored the kingdom kingdom of Israel, who united the kingdom of Israel. And there was this hope that there would be a coming Messiah who would come in the spirit of King David. And so that's kind of the backstory of what's going on with David. And we're going to look at a place particularly where Jesus sort of employs scripture in a, as Jesus often did, he kind of takes an Old Testament piece of knowledge that he was very familiar with. I I love to make sure that we understand that Jesus, the sinless son of God, found it necessary to steep his life in scripture. Uh, When Jesus was tempted, we did a series on the temptation of Christ. When Jesus was tempted, his life was steeped in scripture. He used scripture as the way to uh, remove himself and resist the temptation of the enemy. Um, Jesus was very acquainted with scripture. And if Jesus, our perfect savior, the sinless son of God, is going to need scripture to survive earthly life, you, my friend, and I are going to need scripture, and we want to understand it fully. But one of the things that Jesus did, and it says, I love where it says this at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew, it actually says that the people, when when Jesus finished teaching, they were astonished. 
because Jesus didn't teach like the teachers of the law. He like taught with authority. And the way that Jesus understands the fullness of the character of God, and he uses the Old Testament, he uses scripture to help others understand the fullness of the character of God, is something that we see throughout his earthly life. So when we enter into this story that we're going to today, we're going to do what we do. We're going to use the alive method. We're going to walk through this passage, which can be a little confusing at first, which is why I love that we have this really basic framework that we can hang any piece of scripture upon, and we're going to find um, we're going to find insight. We're going to find understanding. Sometimes it doesn't come all at all at once. Sometimes we've got to wrestle through it a little bit, but it's there for us. And the Spirit of God actually can release us and free us to understand more fully what He means. And that's what we're doing in this series. We're saying, God, we want to understand more fully what you're doing in these passages. And we trust and believe that you have something for us each and every time we come into God's Word, that there's a fullness there. Like, God really wants to meet us with his word. And he does something so essential in our soul when we are rooting ourselves in the foundation of God's word. And that's what we're really doing here together. So today I want to really, truly, I hope that in many ways you enter in this way every week. But just as a reminder today, I want to help us just take a deep breath and ask God, Father, would you give us insight to understand your word today? Amen. It can be as simple as that. But whenever we ask God for his insight, we're reminding ourselves even that we don't come into this knowledge because we're smart or because we have great study notes. We come into this knowledge because the Spirit of God actually moves in our hearts and transforms us and allows us to come into this knowledge. So we're in Matthew chapter 22, verses 41 through 46. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, what do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. He said to them, How is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one could say a word in reply. And from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Using the alive method, the first thing that we do is we ask the question, what does it say? We're just looking at the passage. And, and clearly, when we look at a passage closely and we really try to understand what's happening in this passage, it should lead us to curiosity. It should lead us to ask questions. We shouldn't know the answers without uh, sort of just spending some time to say, okay, what does this mean? Okay, so first, I, for me, I'd be like, well, where were they? The Pharisees are gathered together. What happened right before this? And then I know, okay, Jesus is now asking a question. So Jesus is now now engaging the Pharisees in a question. And I can tell in verse 43 that he's clearly quoting another place in scripture. So we're going to want to make a note. What is that other place in scripture? Where is he quoting? What's kind of the context of what he's quoting? And if you look in your study notes, you might make a note right there that he's quoting from Psalm 110, which we are going to go look at together in just 
a moment. So you can find that. That was in uh, verse 44. And you can see that there's a little cross-reference there if you're looking at your Bible. And that cross-reference actually tells you where to go to find what Jesus is quoting. Anytime that the Old Testament or any other piece of Scripture is quoted, you're going to find that in the margin or at the bottom of your Scripture, in your physical Bible, there's going to be a reference to another verse. And so it's going to help you know where to go to understand the fuller context of what's happening here. So we know in our, what does it say? Okay. uh, Jesus is quoting Psalm 110. And then we get into this kind of confusing section, right? I mean, it's like, okay, wait, David speaking by the spirit calls him Lord. So obviously we're going to want to understand what was happening in Psalm 110. And Jesus says, here's the quote, the Lord said to my Lord, So that's the part, if you're underlining, if you're an underliner, I would underline, what does it mean? The Lord said to my Lord. I mean, just on face value, y'all, that's confusing. (laughs) It's okay. Sometimes I think people are so scared to to admit that they're confused or be like, God, what did you mean by this? But our Lord is is our Father. He wants us to come to Him like children. I don't know if you have children or you spend some time with children. They love to ask questions, and they have no problem asking questions. They are not afraid to ask questions. And I think God really desires us as His children to ask questions. And it doesn't matter how smart you are. At some point, you're going to be like, what has the Lord said to my Lord mean? That's confusing. So we're going to put a little question mark next to that to be like, hmm, what does that mean? Okay, sit at my right hand. We probably want to know, what does that mean, right hand? And if and then so now we see that Jesus exits the the passage that he's reading and he says to them, if then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? So we're like, okay, that's probably important. We've got a lot going on here. And then we're going to probably pretty quickly do a little context, understand what's going on around this passage, and look to our study notes to really understand more fully what does Psalm 110 mean? What does Psalm 110 mean when Jesus is interpreting it here? So if we do that little bit of search into our study notes, we're kind of going into the backstory. So I'm going to flip in my Bible over to Psalm 110. And as I do... I'm going to invite you to do the same. And for me, in my Bible study, when I've got about 20 minutes and I'm reading a little passage like this, I'm going to leave time to go ahead and read the whole psalm. If I if I find a cross-reference like this, it seems crucial to our understanding of what's happening in this passage to know what was happening in Psalm 110. And when I turn to Psalm 110, I, I'm going to breeze through the intro to the chapter. Not every uh, Not every chapter has a huge intro. But a lot of times the really important Psalms do have a full intro. And so right away in Psalm 110, it says in the first sentence, this Psalm is frequently referred to in the New New Testament testimony to Christ. So it basically says this is a messianic Psalm. The idea behind a messianic Psalm means this was written before Jesus speaking of who Jesus would be. So that's what messianic means. So before anyone knew the fullness of what the who the Messiah was and when he would come, there was prophetic words about him. And those prophetic words are coming from David in this psalm. We see that it is a psalm of David. And right here in the intro, this little intro to the the chapter, we're going to we're going to pick up almost everything we need to know about that confusing passage in Matthew. Because what happens here in this psalm is we hear and understand, okay, why is it a big deal that it says the Lord said to my Lord? Because this idea of my Lord would be um, someone greater than the other. So the psalm tells us, like, if you call someone Lord, you're saying that person is greater than you. 
And there's a lot of different commentators, uh, sort of opinions on what's happening in this psalm at the time. One of those opinions that you can read in your study notes is that David was older, and this was a coronation psalm for Solomon, his son. So King David is passing the throne to his son, and he's basically saying, son, you'll be greater than I than I was. And that's very, very possible that at the time, that's what David meant by it. But the fullness of what came out of David's heart when he was writing this poetry, the fullness of everything that would happen is actually pointing to something far greater than Solomon. So even if David at the time meant for this to really be about Solomon's earthly reign, what we see Jesus do is that he points to how the spirit of God is at work in David's writings way, way more than David probably even realized that God can do something when we're connected to God's spirit and he has us creating whatever, whatever creating looks like to you, whether you're writing a song or, or planting a garden or just worshiping God in your heart, that the spirit of God can move in you to connect into the bigger story of the reality of the spiritual realm in ways that go beyond your own understanding. And so even if David did fully mean this psalm to be about Solomon, we see that in Christ, Jesus takes that psalm and he reallocates it for his purposes to the Pharisees. And so he asked them, what, what's happening contextually when we do our backstory is that the Pharisees are relentlessly asking Jesus questions to try to trap Jesus. They want to trap Jesus in a way that will allow them to convict him because they are very uncomfortable with how Jesus is attracting crowds, the way he speaks of the kingdom of God, the authority he has, the healing, the miracles. They feel so threatened in their authority because of Jesus's authority. No, not every single one of them, but in general as a whole, that was what was going on. And so Jesus finally turns the tables on them. And he says, well, I have a question for you then. And he takes this Psalm and he sort of masterfully lays out this philosophical question to them. He's like, who is this about then? How can you say my Lord to someone who's not your greater? And in this moment, they say they, they didn't dare ask him a question again because they completely were stumped by Jesus and stumped by what he said. But what we get the benefit of knowing when we move to, okay, what does this mean? What does this mean? We get the benefit of knowing the fullness of who Jesus is. We get the benefit of knowing that Jesus was moving his life towards a sacrificial end, that he, in obedience to the Father, would go to the cross and that he wouldn't just go to the cross and stay on the cross, but he would be laid in the tomb and resurrected. He would be ushering in a whole new life and a whole new way. And that although he was called son of David, because again, in his lineage, like we learned about last week, David is his greater, quote unquote, because King David came before him. And although we know that, we see here that Jesus begins to point to his ultimate authority and his supreme authority over the earth, past, present, and future, and that he will be above David, that Jesus will be elevated and exalted to the highest height, that he is seated at the right hand of the Father, that in the ways that David could not be uh, perfect, in the ways that David failed to be the prophet, priest, and king for his people because of his humanity, Jesus would be that fulfillment. He would be the fullness of prophet, priest, and king. 
that would be Jesus, and that David was just a shadow of what was to come, which would have been mind-blowing at the time, because David was like the ultimate. And Jesus is looking at these Pharisees and saying, no, there's a there's an ultimate that is to come. And you're looking at him. <laughs> and man, what an incredible moment to realize that Jesus has such authority over the scripture and such authority over the earth that he's able to bring these prophetic words forward so that those who had ears to hear, those who were willing to listen, would actually begin to understand. In fact, I think for many of them, it was only his disciples in looking back and being like, remember that time? Remember, like Jesus was, he told us that this would happen. And do you remember that time with the Pharisees when he talked about my Lord said to my Lord seated at the right hand of the father. And as they looked back and saw and traced everything that Jesus spoke about, it says in the book of Acts, they just, they became so bold. They became so courageous in their understanding of God and his way and his purpose in life because of this prophetic words of Jesus being played out, not only in Jesus's teaching, but in his life life and death and resurrection. So what does that mean for us today? What does that mean for you today? I think when we understand it just, um, I love this Dallas Willard, I believe, quote where he said, um, do you understand that Jesus was the smartest man that ever lived? Like you're not just following a savior. This isn't just a transactional experience where Jesus is some kind of mythical superhero that's sort of far away and distant. And you kind of know the story, but maybe it doesn't feel like it's actually like impacting your everyday life. No, Jesus is not only your savior, but he says that he wants to dwell with us, that he does dwell within us. And that Jesus Christ who dwells within you is the smartest man that ever lived. <laughs> you have access to the wisdom of God. You have access to the knowledge and purposes of God through Christ. When you say yes to Jesus, when you surrender your life to him and say, yes, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, when you say yes to Jesus in that way, you have access to the wisdom of God, to the power of God, to the knowledge of God. God himself will reveal more and more of himself through you. And there's just there's just a throwing your hands up and surrender, just saying, okay, God, like, you got it, Jesus. You're in charge. Like, not only are you my savior, but you're my leader and you're my teacher. And not only are you my savior, my leader, and my teacher, but God, you say, Jesus, that you're my friend. And today, guys, we get to celebrate that we have a friend in Jesus, we have a leader in Jesus, we have a teacher in Jesus, and that can give us the confidence to go out into our day, whatever obstacle you may face. So glad to be with you guys today. Next week, we are going to wrap up our series with the book of Jonah. I encourage you to check it out. We'll be back here next week. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice, a production of LifeAudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Gibbons and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey, and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out her website at NicoleEunice.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that plus a link to Nicole's site in today's show notes.
Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. And we're hosts of the Kainos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. The word kainos means new, and that's exactly what we want to do on our podcast. Bring something new from what is old in our faith. And on this show, you might hear us explore topics like what the Bible has to say about student loan forgiveness, discuss how the satanic temple affects our view of religious liberty in America, or even question why is it that so many people are having rapture anxiety. To learn more about the podcast, go to lifeaudio.com.